Welcome to Lower the Bar. I'm Ryan. I'm a busy dad, and I gained a bunch of weight after I got married and managed to lose it all, totaling 40 pounds. I'm Jordan, a seven-foot-tall husband and father of five who used to weigh well over 350 pounds. I've lost and regained weight multiple times until I found more sustainable habits. I'm now down over 75 pounds while balancing a career in leadership and a busy family life. And we're on a mission to make weight loss more approachable for busy dads. We hope this podcast helps you get unstuck with your health goals and makes weight loss more doable and sustainable. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, sir. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. I have my Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar. It's a Friday afternoon. I'm doing great. All good things. I've got my trusty Monster Ultra here. Dude, I have I, that same flavor in my garage, too. Do you? <laughs> Probably yeah. for as long as you've known me. I'm a I'm a one a day guy, you know. For all the <laughs> for all the good habits I have, some might argue that I have one really terrible one, and I don't care. I like them. I, I love energy drinks. I love them. I have they're amazing. I have one white Monster Ultra every day, without exaggeration. Yeah. I think one day I tried to add up how many I'd had, and it was like twenty five hundred or something. It's crazy. <laughs> I. I I'm a big advocate of energy drinks. I love them very much. And caffeine in general. On the theme of our podcast, diet soda. You can go read anything about diet soda online and probably find contradictory information. However, diet soda is a tool for weight loss, period. It helps fill up your stomach. It helps satisfy the sweet tooth. It it helps. Sometimes when you're just like, man, I don't know how I can survive the gap between afternoon snack and dinner, have a Diet Coke, walk around for a little bit, clear your head, drink some water, drink a Diet Coke, and change your life. You'll make it to dinner. Yeah, yeah. Whenever I see people eating, uh, drinking full sugar sodas, I, I'm i confused. <laughs> confused. You know what I mean? I'm just like, I, it's, I, I used to do it. I used to drink like six uh, cherry Cokes a day. Yeah. And I, because when you start, it's just a taste bud thing. You just have to get your taste buds adapted to diet soda and then it tastes like the same thing. So like, why would you drink that many calories? I don't understand. Dude, I was the same way. I was a full sugar Mountain Dew guy. And then my dad actually started drinking diet Mountain Dew. And I was like, well, I'll just give it a shot. And initially I hated it. But then what I did is I went two weeks without drinking any regular Mountain Dew. And then I drank diet Mountain Dew and it tasted like regular Mountain Dew to me. And then you just adjust. I repeated the insane process because I'm like a sparkling water guy now. In fact, when we go to like a restaurant, I was at a restaurant last night and I ordered just soda water, right? Like right out of the thing, just give me carbonated water. So I like it. Mm-hmm. So what I did there was I just stopped drinking diet soda for two weeks. And then when I tried sparkling water, it tasted sweet to me. So you can do it with anything. If you just like clamp off something that you're used to and give yourself some time. Like the next thing you try will probably be better. Yeah. I mean, this, this goes across like wide and far with, with snacks and all kinds of food. But anyways, anyway, what are we, uh, what are we, what are we talking about today? Apple watches? Talking about the Apple watch, bro. We're both sporting our Apple watch. I've had this Apple watch for five or six years. It's the one Apple product that I, I don't have the urge to upgrade. I'm on an old I'm on an old version too, dude. I think mine's three or four years old. 
Yeah. And I never think about, well, there's the the Ultra, which just looks cool, but I've never just brought myself to, like, I just don't feel like I need it, which is another topic entirely. So we don't have to go into that, but. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But not just Apple Watches, all fitness wearables, right? Your Fitbits and your, I don't even know what these gadgets all are called anymore. I'm an Apple guy, so I'm just in that universe. But, you know, you see everybody with their their Whoop bands and their um, Fitbits. What is that? I don't know. Whoop is like a brand that they make a little wearable. Um, I've heard people talk. Or the old school, you know, just, you know, putting a pedometer in your shoes. Remember when that kind of became a thing? Like you put a little chip down in your shoe and it would like, that was the original way to count your steps. Did you ever see those? No. Anyway, that's like thro- a throwback before Fitbit's on the wrist. Oh. But the point is, yeah. let's talk about Apple Watches, fitness wearables. We'll talk about Apple Watch specifically in context of weight loss. Okay. Um, so... Lots to unpack here, right? When you're, you know, Apple puts it front and center. They say, here's this colorful fitness thing for you. And it's got these cute rings and it fills up and you set some goals and it lights up when you do things right. So talk about, you know, some of this data we're getting back from the watch and and can we trust it? I think one of the big things people's question is, is like, am I really burning this many calories or... What does my move goal really mean every day? The, the biggest problem is the calories. Yeah. Um, it, because it, it encourages you to, to burn a number of calories. Um, and that's the metric for like your workout, your exercise. If you, if you turn it on while you work out and you're looking at, oh, I looked, I burned 500 calories. So I can eat an additional 500 calories. Yes. But there was a study, um, there was a study done showing how accurate uh, the calories burned were, uh, was across a bunch of different fitness devices, an Apple Watch included. And the study concluded that these fitness devices are anywhere between like 30 and 80%, depending on which one, inaccurate in calculating the amount of calories burned. So if you are eating back those exercise calories, um, you're just you're probably going to be eating over your deficit. Yeah, for sure, eating over your deficit, maybe eating at maintenance, or maybe even eating over what your maintenance calories r- might be, right? And and to couple yeah. with this, and then we'll talk more about the Apple Watches. You know, when people go search the App Store for an app to track calories, they're they're going to find My Fitness Pal. It still is like worldwide the number one thing used for tracking calories. So if you go in there, you set up a goal, one of the things it's going to ask you is, do you want us to keep track of the calories you burn from your wearable? And what it's going to do is there's a bar at the top of the screen and it's going to say you have 2,000 regular calories and you have 500 earned calories because of the workout you did today. Okay. That's really helpful for mindset for people. It's not hard to understand why people would gravitate toward that, but because of what you just said, Ryan, and how you know, overinflated those estimates are and, and that real number, um, not a good idea to be eating back those calories. So our first basic piece of advice would be if you're using that, just turn that setting off. Don't eat through those 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 earned calories, so to speak. I'm surprised MyFitnessPal even has that feature. Like they don't know that they're pushing their users down that that flawed path. You know, like you don't know that. 
Well, I, I also, my own experience using MyFitnessPal was that I feel like it always put me in a pretty big deficit. And so maybe it's like, somehow they think they can offset that because if they put you in a really big deficit and then let you earn some back, you might still technically be in a deficit. I don't know. It's probably mm. speculation. Yeah. But uh, but that's a good yeah. idea. So let's talk about what data can I trust from the watch? So you've got your your rings, you've got your steps, heart rate, some of that kind of stuff. What what data do you feel like, Ryan, you can trust coming back from your your watch? It's hard for me to speak to this because <laughs> the only data I care about is my steps. Yeah. That's, I'll look at my heart rate when I'm walking on an incline, you know, and I, I think from what I've read, the heart rate is accurate, is pretty accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's, the algorithms are good at, at calculating trends. I just recently started looking at trends like weight trends and uh, step yeah. trends and sleep, sleep trends and stuff like that. Um, but I only really use it to look at my steps. What, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, I was kind of going to go down through them. So in red, you've got your move goal. Let's skip over that one for now. You've got your exercise goal in green. So exercise, my understanding is that your Apple Watch does that one of two ways. Either you begin a workout and it's just going off time. Like you're telling it, hey, I'm working out, which means you initiated it. So that's going to count towards your minutes of exercise that day. Or it will track some exercise on its own based on perceived heart rate being elevated for a, a couple. I think it says there's like a two or three minute delay with your heart rate. So it makes sure you're actually doing something physical before it just starts counting. And that's kind of where that number comes from. So in terms of accuracy, probably pretty accurate unless you're just sitting on the couch, turning on a workout and not really working out, which yeah. just don't do that because it doesn't make any sense. Um, the third one is the stand. Which, look, I mean, I actually applaud Apple for pushing this so far into its product because I think there's legitimate benefits, obviously, to getting up and moving around and staying active throughout the day. And prolonged sitting mm-hmm. is, is linked to a lot of problems. And that's pretty basic too, right? Your watch can tell when you've gone from a seated state to a standing or walking state. So that's one I think yeah. you can count on. Um, what, your steps, super easy. It's a basic pedometer. I can tell how far you've gone. It's got GPS built into it and it's connected to your phone. Look, I mean, steps, I think you can pretty much rely on what it's giving you back. Let's go back to the move goal. The move goal is a, well, I shouldn't speculate or assume that I know everything about how it works, but it's not calories. Okay. Let's just get that out of the way. If your move goal is set to 1,000, it does not mean that once you cross that, you've burned 1,000 extra calories, right? Mm. You also, if, you, if you're an Apple Watch wearer, you know that that ticks up throughout the day, even when you're just sitting around. So, it, you know, if you start to get into, well, what are my maintenance calories? What's my total daily energy expenditure, TDEE? You start to talk about, well... I'm going to burn X amount of calories if I just lay flat on my back for 24 hours. Your body will burn that. So that gets sort of convoluted and pushed in with the move goal. The biggest point is don't look at your move goal and hitting it as that you've burned that many additional calories on top of what you would have burned anyway. It's a sum of a lot of parts and it's doing its best 
to encourage you to be active because the more active you are, the faster you get over that threshold. Got it. Got it. I, I'll be honest. I have not dug deep into all of this uh, Apple terminology and, and what it's measuring. And <laughs> uh, I'm just now realizing that I use I use an aura ring. You know what an aura ring is? Yeah. I have an aura ring. This is the one that I actually look at the most. Oh, cool. In terms of in terms of tracking data, mm -hmm. this tracks steps, it tracks sleep really well, and it has an activity score, oh, cool. which is kind of like what you're talking about for Apple. Yeah. So it's it's basically it's to, uh, from a high level, it's looking at how active I am when I'm awake. So even like even if I do an intense workout for an hour, but the rest of the day I'm sitting down, like I'll have a low activity score. Yeah. What it's wanting me to do is to stay active through the entire day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I've seen a lot of people kind of get a little obsessive about these these numbers and stats. Yeah. And I think that's uh, where you can run into problems or like trying to hit the trying to like close all these rings every day. You know, well, and again, it's it's mindset, right? Because if you go into it thinking I won't have to change my diet, but if I strap on the Apple Watch and I beat the game every day, I should see yeah. results. Now, look, moving more, beating these goals is a net positive. If we're talking about your ninety-year lifespan on planet Earth, this is a net positive. Right. Walking more, getting up and moving around, getting some exercise great things but it's really important yeah. to understand it in the context of your goal and not confuse putting a magic wearable on your device and moving a little bit more with making more sustainable lifelong lifestyle changes yeah i think it's it's really good to look at it in terms of like improving like general habits and lifestyle habits as opposed to like hitting metrics that are going to make you do something you know like Especially with weight loss, like it's not even the metrics that you do hit, it's not going to move the needle that much in terms of of weight loss. Well, and it's a reward center, right? It's meant to motivate you to do a little bit more of a th a thing, and then light up when you do it. And that's yeah. supposed to create longer term habit. It's a it's a reward center. So treat it as such. Treat it as a tool. It's not perfect. It's not giving you. It's not your north star for weight loss. Yeah, I, I posted a TikTok a while back about how the calories were inaccurate on Apple Watches. And like, I was surprised at how many people didn't know that. Yeah. It's not common knowledge. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of it things really, that we just don't know, right? I mean, yeah. we, it's fair to say, we almost should start every podcast and just say, there's a lot of this we don't understand. And if we sound like know-it-alls, it's because we've been thinking about a lot of this stuff for multiple years. And, and when you kind of get on the journey, you go deeper and deeper and deeper and you, you get there. So we understand that at a baseline, not very many of you are thinking about your heart rate. Okay? Like you're just not. You're not thinking at all about your VO2 max, <laughs> which is a, a measure of, uh, you know, your oxygen, your lung capacity while exercising. I mean, these are technical things, right? As a, at a baseline, biologically, people who have better cardiovascular fitness have lower heart rates. Lower heart rates are a net positive over your entire life, kind of reduce the wear and tear on your heart and just keep your heart pumping healthy, right? So if we were to have a conclusion here, 
Um, just don't eat back your calories. Don't, don't see that your Apple Watch is gifting you free calories. Use it as a tool. Look at the metrics as goals you can beat, which are a net positive along your journey. And, um, you know, learn more of this data when you're ready for it. Don't try to dive in and like understand all this stuff right away. Just, just take it as it comes. I love it. Any other final thoughts on wearables? Nope. All right. Put your Apple Watch on. Go lift some weights. Be good. Hope this helps. Hope it helps. See ya. Thank you.